Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Father Stephen Gadbury is a Catholic priest out of Little Rock, Arkansas. He came onto my radar because he was featured in a Brent Reeves Instagram post, Brent Reeves of the Bear Grease podcast, about him coon hunting with hounds. And I was like, holy smokes, this is a perception-changing individual, a Catholic priest that loves to hunt and loves to hunt coons with hounds. And as you can imagine, uh, the next 35 minutes of podcast is an incredibly deep dive into some philosophical discussions around hunting, hunters, ethics, personal preference. I love 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 these kinds of conversations i love them being so short sharp and to the point and father gadbury anytime you want to come back on this podcast it is open uh for you to come back on so enjoy so there's a reason why i started blood origins and that reason is simple is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Does my hair look okay? My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Oh, it's all good. And typically I, I just mash recording in the beginning because that's when the good stuff happens. Let's make it happen. (laughs) 
So no collar. Come on, man. Are, is it just, you know, are you just rolling without a collar? You know, I felt like I was going to have to be sitting up proper, you know, kind of deal. And you come onto this without a freaking collar. Come on, man. I can fix it. There we go. Ah, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been on the road today, actually. Um, I'm about two hours from where I currently live. I'm, I just moved in July uh, to Little Rock. and um, Dude, I'm, I'm only two ready. hours from you. Where do you live? I just moved to um, Memphis, Tennessee, Collierville, Tennessee. Get out of here. That's I'll come visit you. I've got a couple of people to see in Little Rock. Need to come yeah. over for the day. Yeah, I've, I've got an uncle who's a priest in Memphis. I grew up 45 minutes west of Memphis in the Delta. So super close there. But but um, I came over here just running some errands, came to vote. And, um, and I was hunting this morning. I'm going to go hunt this evening before I head back to the big city. But yeah, standing invite, man. Come over. <laughs> so uh catholic priest gets gets you get tuesdays off <laughs> yeah it, it, more or less <laughs> Th things always come up it's uh it's uh, every day's different yeah i always joke with my buddies they, they uh they say i got the best job because i only work on sundays <laughs> <laughs> but yeah tuesday's my day off well my friend uh i i just super pumped that you you said yes you know it was just a random dm that uh you know i got i don't know how i got tagged into the post or maybe i saw brent reeves post or whatnot and he's a he's a big fan of what we do and we're a big fan of him he's yeah. been on the roundup before and i told him if i was ever going to create this like epic drama piece about hunting and blood origins i was going to use brent reeves as the voiceover actor oh, you know great yeah yeah and then all of a sudden, you know, he's talking about, you know, Father Gadbury and, uh, you know, this Catholic priest who chases coons with hounds in Arkansas. And I'm like, mm, those those three things typically don't go together. Yeah. And um, I was like, those the, that's, that's the kind of thing that we like to talk about. Those are the kind of people we like to talk about because or talk to. Because we're all about changing perceptions mm -hmm. around who we are as hunters. Yeah. And a Catholic priest who's not wearing his collar right now is certainly <laughs> a perception-changing <laughs> individual yeah. associated with hunting. So, so Father Stephen Gadbury, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Hey, Robbie, thanks for the invite, man. I'm, I'm excited about this. Thanks for the opportunity. Dude, and that video you sent me, like even, the, you know... As you said in the video, like five, six minutes in, man, I can't believe that just happened or I went there. Like, you yeah. got to put like a, a warning on that kind of stuff. We get told the same thing all the time. And <laughs> like, hey, put a warning on this so that you got to, you, you, you know what's coming. But that was exceptionally done, that video, by the way. If anybody um, is looking for it, what, what YouTube channel is it on? It's on a big YouTube channel. Yeah, Word on Fire. It's Word, Word on Fire. Word on Fire. Yeah, with Bishop Robert Barron. Um, just uh, one of our big things in ministry is just engaging the culture. You're talking about breaking the perceptions, and that's, you know, uh, just my, there's so many similarities between what I do in my daily life, you know, as a priest, and, and also what we're trying to do as a hunting community and, and break down barriers, uh, you know, break through perceptions and preconceived notions that people have. And one of the best ways to do that is to uh, be, be uh, very vulnerable and raw without mm. warning. Because mm -hmm. that, cause what, vulnerability and rawness is is 
almost um, equivocal with, with love, and, you know, synonymous almost. And, um, and it renders the person in front of you um, open and receptive, and it forces them to, to wrestle with their own, the, the deepest existence that they have. So, yeah, just <laughs> do come you out think no that, Do you think that hunters lack vulnerability and authenticity when it comes to who they are, showing who they are? Um, I, I think at times we can, uh, because even just the, just the, the hunter or the huntress <laughs> are typically these, these tough people, these strong mm-hmm. people who don't show emotions. They're the, the providers going back to the like history of humanity. Like they were the providers. And so you can't show your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities for the sake of passing on your, your genes, you know, for, for the sake of defending your livelihood um why do you think we've been do you think it's just that do you think it's this this moniker of provision this moniker of tough guy tough attitude and yet we've got obviously a lot of women and female in the hunting space that emotion is almost frowned upon yeah or emotion is belittled Mm. i yeah that's that's a good point so i i think we we've we self-impose the frowning upon it, uh, you know, upon ourselves. But I think the belittling, unfortunately, just the, the socio-political religious environment in which we live in, the, the, the culture we live in now is one that is it, 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 belittling is, is such a big thing. And uh, to the point of enslaving us mm-hmm. uh, out of fear of what's going to happen. And you can only be burned so many times before it calluses your heart, right? And, uh, and I think as hunters, we've been... Uh, maybe pushed at so much that sometimes we're, we're scared to stand the, stand the ground because we tried for so long and, but yeah, there's, there's so much to unpack there. No, no, I think there is a lot to unpack there. I think that the culture that is being driven, that is being driven in social media in all facets of our lifestyle, not just hunting, is that divisiveness is causing people not to be willing to sort of meet in the middle, meet the divide that, that is, is being created. I've just read a book called Beyond, um, Beyond the Social Media Prism, and it was talking about how social media is being built to divide. And there were these experiments that got put in place to almost understand if you put views from the other camp, what did that do to that individual? Now, I don't believe... In, that they did it correctly. They purposely put in very divisive views on the, on the, from one side or the other, and it caused them to go even further to the right or even further to the left versus bringing them to the middle. But I think it's also a matter of, and, and you know this better than anyone, it's finding individuals that are willing to put their heads above the parapet, uh-huh. are willing to express vulnerabilities, are willing to show emotion, and almost changing the, the the game a little bit, Matt. This is this is who we are, and I'm okay saying that this is who we are, and I'm okay taking a little bit of flack. I'm okay taking the bullets by putting my head on the parapet because what I've just done and I, is I've just sent a message uh-huh. that it's okay to do this, or it's okay to be like that, or it's not okay uh-huh. to stand like this. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the world that we live in now, everything is so convenient that, um, I mean, we want to make everything convenient. We want the, the answer, the solution, the product now, 
we want to know we want i mean we, we want the quick answers the the quick fruits um so it, it's very easy to 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 have this tendency to compartmentalize or maybe not a compartmentalize but to divide go back to the divisiveness that you were mentioning earlier um and to highlight or magnify particular aspects of someone's life because then we can categorize them and put them into a box and 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 uh yeah just uh, attempt to control them through through a label um going back to the aspect of vulnerability that i was talking about earlier it's uh i think we've forgotten how to dance you know it's funny that you're hearing a priest say that but like um if you just think about dancing itself it takes two to tango and um it's a very intimate thing and you got to move together you have to give and take and um uh, in our basic human relationships we um we don't I, I think we struggle with the patience of wrestling with who we are as individuals who i am as an individual and wrestling with who the other person is in front of me as an individual there's we're, we're a big question mark is what we are that's in, in a word that's what i want to say is like we're a big question mark we want the answer now but the but life in its deepest deepest you know way of living out is is um it's just a big question. Every day is a is a why. Like, okay, why? Science can explain all these hows, how 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 this happens, how that comes about, when and where and what. But science cannot answer why. Mm-hmm. And that's that's as a priest, that's what I I wrestle with every day in my own heart. The why, the why, and also in the hearts of all the people that I encounter. Um, but but that why, whenever we limit people's labels to their what's their where, their when, um, their hows, even um, it's all these exterior things. But when you when you try to struggle with with embracing somebody's why, and I don't want to say understand even. I almost did, but it's more of an embracing rather than understanding because we don't. We can never understand it, but we can embrace it. Um, so, what would be you know talking in the hunting realm? Yeah. Why does Father Gadbury hunt? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's so many different reasons why I hunt. (laughs) Um, uh, one of the simplest things is like, I'm with people all the time, all the time. And, um, there's something nice about the solitude of, Mm. of nature. There's something about solitude of nature. Also, um, there's, there's something terribly and beautifully humbling about the aspect of hunting. Very humbling that, I mean, you cannot control it. You have to show up. Do your work, be at the, you know, do what you can to, to be at the right place. Uh, and then, and then wait for that chance and wait for well, that father, chance. Father, it's easy. Hunting's easy. It's just, we're, we're just a bunch of killers. You know, that's what we do. It's just, we go out, it's easy. We kill and that's that. Well, sure. The, so, uh, we can go pretty deep with this. The killing is easy. Any hunter can tell you, and you know, we should, we, we could, we could debate on, we, we can, we can argue about how hard we can make hunting or how easy it is. To, to cut to the chase, the killing part is easy, but the hard part is wrestling with why you killed the animal. And I mm-hmm. think that's what often the, the discussion is around that. It's not so much the killing it, itself, but like, why did you kill it? Why? Um, and um, every single time I harvest an animal, I it hurts. And, and I believe that it, it should hurt for, for every hunter to a degree because there's a sacrificial act, aspect to it. So... Um, uh, you know, is it easy? I don't know. I, 
in some ways, if you do the right things and show up at the right spot, the actual killing is easy. Um, um, but, but, but why? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a question we ask all of our people that we film. Uh-huh. Like if we ask them, like, why do you hunt? It's the simplest question that we as hunters can be posed. Uh-huh. But it's probably the most complicated answer that we probably need to articulate back to that individual. But it's such an uh-huh. important question to be able to articulate an answer to. Because I, you've I like got it. that non-hunter in the elevator and you're dressed in camera like, oh, you're a hunter. Why are you a hunter? In those two minutes, you should be able to be like, boom, this is why I hunt. Yeah, that's a. F- I love how you formulated that question how, and how you just represented it right there. Um, that's something I want to reflect on a lot more. And, but my initial response would go back to what I was talking about just right before that would be the the why. It forces me to come face to face with my own the my own why, my own restlessness. Um, it, it forces me to come face to face with my um. Uh, with, with the fact that I am, by and large, in this world, totally hopeless and, and or totally helpless. I can control many things in my daily life, but at the end of the day, I cannot control ultimately my my life and death. There's so many other things much greater than my control beyond my control that that determine my existence. And if we would stop and wrestle with that, that's that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And hunting forces me to stand at those crossroads of of the here and now the tangible things that i can see and hear and touch and feel and it forces me to to step beyond those things it can be easy to hide behind the facade uh hide behind all these things that i can control um but hunting forces me to stop and think about things that i don't want to think about because when you're in a tree you have nothing else to do (laughs) that's right (laughs) And, and and so it's it's such a simple thing, but it forces forces me to stop and, and wrestle with the, the bigger life questions. And then one of the ways that enhances that process is whenever I other living creatures with their own I don't want to say free will because like animals don't have you know intellect as we do, but their own animal instincts. You know, it's you you can't control that. You can't you can pattern an animal, but at the end of the day, it's it's still a wild animal. Mm-hmm. And so it's just wrestling, standing toe-to-toe with the unpredictable and uncontrollable realities of life reminds us that there's things so much greater than what we can see and know here in the present moment. So you're a, you are a Catholic priest. Let's, uh, I know we, we totally skipped over your introduction because we just went down a rabbit hole right away. <clears throat> yeah. So just introduce yourself for people about who you are, what you do, where you're at. Cool, yeah. So in a nutshell, I'm... Father Stephen Gadbury, um, 36 years old, I'll be 37, well, 37, 37 years old. Uh, I was born and raised in the Arkansas Delta, right in the heartland of the United States, uh, in the Mississippi River Delta there. Was born and raised on a family farm, had rice and soybeans on our small family farm, went to public schools my whole life. Um, after school, I was in the military for a few years before going to seminary for eight years four years of philosophy in southern Louisiana, and four years of theology in Rome, Italy. Uh, and then I was ordained a priest, Catholic priest, in 2016. Um, uh, so that's kind of broad strokes of, of, of who I am. Uh, I love so music. So you're, you're fairly I, new to the, the whole, 
I would it would would it be a fair statement? Six years is fairly new, you know young priest in the in the Catholic Church. Uh yeah yeah um so yeah six years of of any any vocation any calling in life would be pretty young. Um, but to to step back, this all began in two thousand and six. So I'm going gotcha. on six, 16 years of, of active formation. So if you want to mm-hmm. say like active ordained ministry is six years, although mm-hmm. the, the process has been, you know, pushing mm-hmm. 16, 17 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've always been in Arkansas the last six years as an ordained priest. You've been in Arkansas? Cor- yes. Yep. Yep. Is there a, uh, turning sort of the question back on you, is there a perception not just in, not, you know, maybe you can speak to Catholicism the Catholic Church in Arkansas versus the Catholic Church writ large in America. Like, is that the fact that you are a hunter? Is that something of like a, oh, uh, you know, he kills animals, um, you know? <laughs> it, Where does that, like, I could see it in Arkansas being, oh, yeah, okay, he's a hunter. But if you were a Catholic priest in New York, they'll be like, oh, I don't know about this guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 allowed me to have so many more conversations than I wouldn't have It's a uh, hunting, especially here in the South is it's a fantastic door into somebody's soul. For example, for example, um, people would not, if I was in, you know, uh, people would not typically walk up to me, uh, even if they know me and just like immediately dump out their, their biggest struggles in life. But I'll sort of paraphrase it. They will come up and say, things like this. Hey, I hear you, you, you hunt. Yeah. Do you, you, you do archery or rifle? Oh yeah. I prefer archery. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I like archery too. My marriage is falling apart, man. What do you think? So, <laughs> so it's, oh my I, gosh. I, 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 I love fitness and I love hunting. Those are two huge passions of mine. And I've encountered as, as many people through fitness and hunting as I have through the church doors. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing of, breaking down that perception and if, mm. and if one truly embraces their vocation they don't sit behind the desk of their business or their company or their corporation because those people are already there in their company or their corporation if somebody truly is passionate about their job about about their their product that they have they're going to the people that don't have it and you're speaking their language you're living their life you're walking and talking with them so so to bring it back hunting here in the south in particular has been a positive it's actually helped me mm. a lot Help me a lot, yeah. Now on social media, that's a different world. <laughs> what about? I'm curious. Obviously, you do. You must attend conventions, Catholic priest conventions, and stuff. I'm sure those things. How does that world look when you obviously are in? You know, whether it's a regional or national convention that you're going to, and again, you're engaging with the priests out of New York or priests out of California or that may yep. not hunt. Have you come across any of that kind of like, oh man, I can't believe that you can do that down there. Or, or maybe the opposite. Oh geez, I wish I could hunt. Yeah. Um, so this is just, I, I will brag for a little bit right now, just on this moment of just all the priests I've met. It's really cool because we're all so, di- so diverse, but we, we, we all had this share, the common denominator of something, you know, working for something greater than ourselves, which changes our perspective of life. Uh, and, and, and so therefore I have a ton of brother priests, other priests that, that I work with, you know, here locally, but also in California, New York, all over the U S who come from all walks of life. Some who would 
they they gag at the thought of hunting, but they respect it um, because I'm passionate about it. And that's a that's a pretty common denominator. Um, that uh, um, that it's they, almost antithetical to the social media world that we started this conversation about. Oh yeah, is that yeah. it's it doesn't have to be di- in your world. It's not a divisive hate. I'm not going to yeah. even associate myself with you. Yeah. Rather, it's a respect. Um, I I hate to use the simplistic of an analogy, but you like heavy metal music. I despise heavy metal music, but I don't despise you as a human because you like heavy metal music. Exactly, exactly. Just this basic human maturity that you would hope every human would have. <laughs> basic and luckily, human maturity. That yeah. is it. That is it. I think we should title the episode, the podcast episode, Basic Human Maturity. <laughs> yeah. I think we yeah. could all use a dose of basic human maturity. Jeez, I agree. Um, and it uh, it takes a life to, oh, we're still learning it. It takes a whole life to learn it and tons of times of crashing and burning and plenty of people to put you in your spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the disposition a... to, be, to be open to it, too. That's another big thing. Well, and I think that's the key, right? In in hunting circles, and, and you might have experienced this or not, but, you know, you have the divisiveness of the bow hunters versus the rifle hunters, the guys that hunt high fence versus the guys that hate high fence, the long-range shooters, the guys that, um, you know, are out for meat, not for trophies, the anti-trophy hunters. It's It's almost like this tribalism within a small tribe that fractures the community into a hundred different pie pieces and unfortunately the lack of basic human maturity doesn't Uh allow the pie pieces to say okay i i see that that is something that you prefer to do it is ethical in the in the strict terms of ethics, now I'm talking to a priest who probably knows everything about ethics from a theological <laughs> perspective that I have been corrected on multiple times. Because typically when I talk about ethics, it's really just personal preference. That there's a personal preference of this is how I like to hunt and it is legal. Yeah. You should be okay with it, even though yeah. you don't do it. Well, that's, that's that subtle distinction that you made at the very end is essential for basic human maturity and, and exercising that to recognizing what is permissible and legal and even ethical, even if it's not your own personal ideal. There's a difference between personal subjective opinion and desires and an objective moral truth. Um, well, doesn't talk, explain that a little bit more because I could see someone's objective moral truth being, and maybe this is where it veers into the lane of personal preference mm-hmm. that objective personal truth is is variable um maybe it isn't but how would you help someone in terms of a conversation between ethics and preference sure yeah ethics true true objective moral truth is timeless and and greater than any culture or society the right to life the right to reproduce the right to safe living the the right to to live, uh, to, to, you know, to have the basic means of life. That's, that's really simply, it could bo- be boiled down to probably those, those things. Now, all the consequences of that are huge. And that's where a lot of the divisions happen now, where something may be permissible in one culture, but not another. Um, so I guess the simplest way of, of, you know, maybe pointing that out would be that 
objective truths are timeless. They're never changing. They apply to all cultures and all societies for every century. Um, the practical application of those may look different, but if they're right. the nuts and bolts of it is all this, it's, it, they're unchanging. What about ethics and preference? What about someone saying, how would someone, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a better way to catch it. How does someone distinguish between ethics and preference? Hmm. Um, well, ethics should shape our preferences, but unfortunately our preferences are what culturally are defining ethics. So that would be the, the flow of it. Ethics, something beyond you and me, Correct. should shape the way that you and I form our preferences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the ethic of animal welfare, right? The ethic of dispatching an animal appropriately. Mm -hmm. That is the ethic, right? The ethic of no injury, or, uh, lessening harm, lessening um, being yeah. as ethical as possible to that animal. You don't want to incur any additional pain or suffering or whatnot on that animal. That is the ethic. Mm -hmm. I believe I can shoot that animal at 500 yards and mm -hmm. still be appropriately formed in my preference of how I like to hunt, but also fit in my con like my construct yeah. of that ethic. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's it, the way that you practically execute those ethics will be different for each person. Now, that's not saying that they're fluid and they can they can change willy-nilly. There's a difference in degree, not in kind. An ethical kill for a seven-year-old child going on their first hunt with a crossbow from a ground blind, and the dad says you cannot shoot past 10 yards, is different in degree, not kind, than the 500-yard shot that you would take at a, mm. at a pronghorn antelope uh, mm. with, with a 25-mile-an-hour crosswind. Mm -hmm. the, the, the difference in in degree is based upon the way that that ethic is applied in your life. The kind of ethic, a clean ethical shot, for example, humane shot for the animal, quick death, uh, is is the same kind for both you and the child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's maybe a way of understanding it through hunting terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's 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 a it's a fascinating little piece because. We've started a series. I've released one of them. I've got another one in the bank, but I need to I need to sort of encapsulate my thoughts around a little bit more. We've got this series called I Am a Hunter, but... <laughs> oh, Father Stephen Gabbery is a, is a hound hunter for coons? That is despicable. I am a hunter, but I very much do not like people who use dogs to hunt. Okay, well... Do you know? It's almost like a an explanation of the butt, right? I am a I am a hunter, but I abhor trophy hunting. Yes. Really? I, mm, so I I experienced this in other other ways. Well, even in the hunting world as well, but also other areas of life. And I found that a lot of times people will add that butt clause because they fear committing fully to something because when you fully commit to something it requires you to say no to countless things and it requires you to put your life on the line so whenever you leave this but and clause at the end what you're doing is giving yourself an escape route 
Whereas if it's truly something that you're going to live and like truly something that you believe, there's no buts involved. I'm willing to die on this hill for this. And I think regardless, regardless of what you do in life, every human being should have something in their life that they are, that they are passionate enough that they're willing to die on that hill. That is what, what I struggle, what I, what I struggle with personally every day. And what I try to help other people decide in their own lives, what are you willing to die for? Mm. So going back to this, this, but, and clause or whatever, um, I, I, I think just the way I'm hearing it and thinking about my own experiences with people is that it, it's very often rooted in fear, uh, or the desire to have an escape route. Um, um, because when you stand for something, that means necessarily that you're going to stand against something as well. If you're standing for something then then you, you, for something, you can't stand for everything. Um, true freedom, freedom, true freedom is found though in that, in that singularity, whenever you, you, you've got the freedom. I use this example all the times with kids, whenever I'm talking, talking to them at the school, for example, or something like this is, um, maybe we've all had this experience when we go to the, the ice cream shop as a kid and mom says, you know, you can get one scoop, get one scoop or whatever flavor you want. And then uh, you want to sample five different flavors. And then you think, oh, this or that, and you can't decide. And then ultimately mom says, let's go. You, you didn't get anything. And so you, you don't get ice cream or you get what she picks. And so the inability to choose leaves you without ice cream. But whenever you choose, you say no to all the other flavors for the sake of fully committing to one. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, testing the envelope though has helped. Let's see. Yeah. There's so many different little bunny holes that you could go down on this. You know how we end, we, how we end that series? What I say at the end? How's this? What for the, just what you just said. Hunter is a hunter. No buts about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Be willing to die for it. Um, and exercising, um, all the possible movements in an area of life gives you a better understanding of it. Exploring every corner of a house allows you to better know that house. For example, hunting. You were going to use the example earlier of the division that we have. Oh, no, I'm archery only. Oh, I'm rifle. I'm, I'm long range, muzzleloader, this or that, trophy, not trophy, high fence, public land. It was cool because as you were going through those, I do literally all of those. All of those things. And... A few years ago, actually the land that I'm hunting at today, um, I go out there, I help with a lot of doe management. They have a lot of does and I love hunting does, white-tailed does. A couple of years ago, the landowner said, hey, here's my muzzleloader. Why don't you use it today? And it was the first day of muzzleloader season. And I said, uh, I, I, I want to use my bow because I was, I was so deep into archery at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really resistant. I was like, oh, I'll use the bow. He said, no, why don't you take it? I said, nah, I think, I think I'm going to use my, my, bar, my archery equipment because I've got it already. He said, well, I've already got it loaded for you. And so like I took it and I used the muzzle loader, ended up getting a doe. But part of me was like ungrateful because I wasn't in control, mm-hmm. but it was, a, it changed my, my perspective of hunting. So I love archery, passionate about it. But he's passionate about muzzleloader and this muzzleloader in particular. And he couldn't wait to share that thing with him that he's willing to die for. You know, that's Mm -hmm. an extreme example. But Mm -hmm. he's willing to stand on that hill and die for it. And he wanted me 
to to experience the blood he's willing to give. Here, take this. Mm-hmm. So I so I took it, used it, and and I felt the sting of the ingratitude. They're letting me hunt at their place. Why would I complain? <laughs> he could say, chase him with a slingshot. And okay, I'll do it. But what right. I started doing from that time on is every year I try to take um, try to take you know animals with, with multiple forms of tackle. And even last year, I got a new bow before the season. And I could not wait to use that compound bow. But I said I was not going to hunt a single deer until I killed one, another one with this old uh, crossbow that I had because crossbow hunting is too easy because I, I do archery, you know, right, the right. and I just started recurve, but I said, no, Steven, why don't you get over your ego? A clean harvest is a clean harvest and this is legal and it's fair. And that was one of the funnest hunts that I did with that, with that crossbow. Awesome. Yeah. So anyhow, to bring it all back, like to the, to the point for it, before I went down that bunny hole, like for me to be willing to die on this hill of hunting, I have to explore every corner of hunting mm-hmm. that that's permissible and legal and ethical and do it gratefully and humbly and, and recognize that I don't know it all. And the more I explore these other avenues, the more I'll learn. And then the, the more steadfast I will be on that hill and the more ready and willing I'll be able to, to die on that hill for hunting. Man, you just inspired me, man. That's exactly what I need to be doing from a Blood Origins perspective. This is the world I live, right? And I feel like I, I'm very accommodating to all hunting because I have to be, right? I'm not accommodating to the hunter that's shooting a hole in the bottom of the boat that we're trying to row upstream. Um, but you're right. It is almost like a, it's, it should be like this. How can I couch it in, in, in a Catholic sense of the word it's almost like uh what is what is the what do they call like the big the big walks that some pilgrimage. some priests do a pilgrimage. a pilgrimage that's exactly what yep. i just need to do this pilgrimage of just like in you know seeing and experiencing and talking to people that hunt differently and yeah. ask them their whys about why they do it the way that they do it you know change perceptions change egos of people associated with that practice yeah you know i'm i'm it's a slow process but i'm in the process of organizing a retreat to do a similar thing and so it'd be maybe you know we we could we could figure something out there hell yeah i'd love to get in the loop on that because it's when when you share stories like it it just it broadens your perspective and the 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 bigger your horizon the more you get to explore Mm -hmm. so we want we want we talk about freedoms but we have freedoms with this this tunnel vision. Good mm-hmm. lord, that's not that's not freedom at all. That's terribly limiting and mm-hmm. and, and, and and enslaving. And the, the more you can broaden my perspective by showing me another another angle of this beautiful horizon in front of me, good God, like there's so much more to explore. So the freedom comes by um broadening your horizon. Now that doesn't mean do whatever the hell you want. Like, you know, there's no ethic to what's going on. But when you listen to other people who are willing to die for what they're doing and have died for it, you can take them seriously. You can take them for their word. And therefore, they can they can broaden your perspective. Finding those professionals in those areas. The people that are all in. That's, um, I don't care what you're doing. This is a, uh, if you're doing it, you're getting it everything you've got. Uh, this is the last little thing. <laughs> I'll let you say something. But there's a phrase. In Latin, it's called Agi Quod Agis. It's on the movie Tombstone, actually. 
but it's from St. Ignatius of Loyola, Aji Quod Agis. It means literally, do what you're doing. But, but the deepest meaning of it is, whatever you're doing, give it everything you've got. And if I can find somebody that's, um, I don't know what the, if we can use language, but like someone who's just busting their butt completely. You, know. you tell me, I'm, I'm not the priest in this conversation, you know, so. <laughs> well, if, if, you know, don't, <laughs> so don't half-ass it, is what it is. It's, it, basically, it's St. Ignatius, he was telling all the, 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 the men who were studying under him, listen, boys, don't half-ass it. I don't care what you're doing. Give it everything you've got. And if I'm with somebody that's busting their ass and not half-assing, I'll, I'll back them 100%. But if somebody is just going through the motions, they're not going to get the time of the day from me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well said. What did you say that was? That phrase was, do what you're doing? Yeah, do what you're doing. Aji quod agis. I'm not going to be able to spell that, but I'll get it. Tombstone, yeah. right? It's on Tombstone? Yeah. The movie? A-G-E, yeah. A-G-E-Q-O-D-A-G-I-S. Got it. Yeah. I like it. Well, listen, I got one last question to let you go. I know that you are sweating in the Arkansas Delta right now in a vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) And um, do you have to go hunting with the collar? That is the question. (laughs) No, that... (laughs) Got the camo right here. (laughs) I had to ask. I had to ask the question. I have I have hunted in 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 the clerics before, in the collar before. (laughs) Man, I appreciate you, dude. I am I'm so grateful for the 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 connection. I'm I very much appreciative of the hard hitting thirty five minutes, thirty six minutes because people are probably have their minds blown. Um, I'm very appreciative of of deep deep conversations i love them um and yeah let's stay in touch man i'd love to if you you know need anything in arkansas i'm only two hours away so let's uh next time i roll into little rock we'll give you a holler sounds good sounds good yeah we're close by we'll connect and get some barbecue or something yes sir sounds great take it easy don't half-ass it well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.